Uh, I was obsessed with Dragon's Den, The Apprentice, and I often say it's my guilty pleasure, but it's not my guilty pleasure because I'll explain why. The Kardashians, right? So my sister used to watch them. Now she hates them, but she was watching there like when Kim and Courtney went to Miami and I was like, what the hell's this? And now ever since that, like, I have found it really fascinating, the evolution of the Kardashian-Jenner brand from a business perspective, how they have like completely capitalized on not so great scenarios and built literally billion pound empires and media houses is incredible. Hello, 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 and welcome back to another episode of the podcast chats. And we've got a very, very special guest today, and it's Friday, so it's Ollie. It's not Sunday, where he'd be Oliver. Welcome to the podcast. Hello, thanks for having me. Good yeah. to have you in the office. I know, such a cool office. Like, white, we're in Whitehaven, yeah? Yeah, we're in Whitehaven. Yeah. And then I was like parking, I was like, where the fuck do I park? <laughs> where do I go? And you come in, it's such like a modern office, you can't obviously see it now, but yeah, it's such a cool space. And we've got the best restaurant in town downstairs, the Peddler, so shout out to the Peddler because it fuels most of my days. I've literally just told you I don't have breakfast, but to be fair, I normally come in at about 11 o'clock and I'll be on my way in and I'll ring the Peddler and order like a bacon sandwiches and fresh orange and lemonade and they bring it up for me, so next level hey, service. what a life, what a <laughs> life. <laughs> right, so I didn't prep you for this, but just introduce yourself to the viewers and the listeners if you're meeting someone for the first time or if you're like introducing yourself in like a taxi or something like that. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll say what I said to a taxi driver in Windermere last year when she asked what are you doing in Windermere? And then I explained, well, I'm my own boss. So I can come out on a Wednesday night. If I want to come out on a Wednesday night <laughs> in the middle of like March, it was, it was early this year. So I'm Ollie Hodgson or officially Oliver, but it's not Sunday. So we can go with Ollie today. And I'm 20, just turned 20, like a month ago, 8th of October. And I'm the founder and managing director of Platinum Live. And Platinum Live is a creative communications agency, primarily working in PR, but we do also have team members in social and content as well. We spotted, I spotted a gap on the 30th of March, 2020, a week into the lockdown and kind of ran with it. And here we are now. We're sat in our office and we do have a very hybrid approach to, to how we work, but yeah. I'm, yeah, and what else can I say about myself? I love work, so my life is work, right? Yeah. I feel like I can never switch off, but yeah, I, I, I have all sorts of interests and passions, but they, they all primarily lie around kind of like media marketing and then those verticals. And I also have another side hobby where we put festivals on and I've just got off the back of a festival for 35,000 people with Tiny Temperance, so Phyllis Beck said the vaccines in Jake Book, so, and the Red Arrows. So keep myself busy, keep mm. my circle small, live in a village called Gosford, which is about 25 minutes from Whitehaven. Was born in Whitehaven, have family in Whitehaven. So being based here is, is lovely. We have clients all over the country though. So I'm always on the trains when they're not on strike. And if I'm not on a train, I'm normally driving. The amount of times I've drove to London this year because the trains have been on strike is pretty insane. But yeah, that's a bit about me. I can talk for England, so you're going to have to like come in and cut me off now. It's <laughs> good as your podcast. <laughs> that was a good intro. That was a really good intro. Good. I like that. So I prepped you three facts. So you okay. found it easy slash hard, didn't you? You told me before. So let's, let's go. Yeah. The first so I one. feel like I could like say loads of facts, right? But like finding three, which like are quite big or defining, two of them are very similar. And I tried my hardest not to mention it when I talked about the company. So I founded the company on the 30th of March. And the fact is five months before that, five, six months before that, I dropped out of school. So I'm a high school dropout, right? 
and hated, hated the school environment, but loved some of my teachers, didn't fit in and was kind of bullied as a result and just, you know, a typical West Cumbria kind of school scenario. Didn't play rugby and football, so you were called all sorts off the back of that. Now everyone's up my ass, to be fair. When <laughs> always <laughs> a kid. <laughs> so karma's a bitch, right? So yeah, that's that's one of my facts is that I dropped out of high school. My second one is I don't have a CV. Never have had a CV. And in fact, I was asked for a CV <laughs> from Carol and Vicky last week. Oh, really? <laughs> you had on. Because um, we were collaborating on a project and they were not them themselves, but the project was asking for CVs of people involved and, and, and other things like that. And I... <laughs> replied back and said, I don't have a CV, but here's my portfolio. Hmm. Yeah, I don't have a CV. And because, mainly because I don't have a single qualification. And in my industry, that fact, I don't have a single qualification, I don't have a degree, is very, particularly in PR, is very unheard of. Not so much now, but definitely kind of five years ago. I think COVID's kind of made people think differently about qualifications. But also like where we do work in social and, and more broadly marketing, like as you do, like qualifications can often mean like for call. Hmm. I, I suppose it depends, right? I, I am from a family who are uni educated and, you know, we're not anti-establishment. It just didn't work for me, but I haven't like the fact that I've had zero qualifications hold me back. Yeah. Like it doesn't, nobody ever asks me no. CV other than last week. <laughs> I've got a degree in hospitality management, so that's really relevant to what I do. So it's fine. I, I think uni nowadays as well, though, is more of like that. You learn so much more than your degree, right? Like, you yeah, it's life experience. Yeah. That's probably something that I, I, I always said I would like to go to uni more so for that. And yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I, I recommend anyone, if you don't know what you want to do, go to uni for fresh year, blow over from your system. And then think, all right, yeah, let's do something rather than just go to uni for like three, four years. And then you waste your time. And then you could have been doing something for three, four years. You know what I mean? But I think it's, it's just the school system in general. I think the way things are done, it's you just funneled into going to sixth form, going to uni, yeah. getting a job and you're not taught how to run a business. Yeah. A business. I, I, I don't even think it like works like that anymore. I think. Yeah, there's so much pressure on young people for G- the GCCs, then the A-levels, then the degree. It's like, you follow this, you you are like just a number, right? You just have to abide by this this archaic way of doing things. The education system is so archaic and outdated. But then when you leave university, you are not guaranteed a job. Like a job is just not going to appear and you're going to like get in because you've got a degree. Like there's so much more to being employable than that as well. Like the whether people are going to want to run their own businesses or be employed. Like when I'm hiring people, for whether it be full-time positions or like I'm looking for consultants or suppliers or whatever, like I'm looking at so much more than like their CV that they send in. You don't look at the GCSEs? Like, I don't even look at the GCSEs. Like, what? you know, like you, you, you know, you've got an A in geography. Brilliant. You know, like, thanks. But you know, Google Maps was invented 10 years ago. So, you know, but that, I suppose that's a daft way of doing it. And I'm not trying to dr- drum down qualification because I would not want to walk into a GP practice and my doctor says that they've just had work experience. Like, obviously <laughs> it is very, very, very important in many industries. But I think for like modern tech focus, social marketing business, like it's, now with Google, I think the biggest, the most powerful tool that Gen Z have or like any generation now it is like this mobile phone, right? If you've got a Wi-Fi connection in the phone, oh my God, you can do so much with yeah. your life. But yeah, that was my second fact. And my third fact is I spent a week on Radio 1 with Adele Roberts when I was 16. Oh, that was pretty cool. How did, that, how did that come about? That was good. I applied for it. They used to do this thing called like resident DJ, uh, re- resident DJ thing, right? For like a week. 
and you tell them about what you're interested in and stuff. And it was actually the week of the Brits and I am Brit obsessed. I've now been twice. Oh, really? Uh, and I always managed to blag myself and invite to one of the record labels after parties. So I could tell I'm going to tell you off of this podcast <laughs> because I'm really not meant to know who I walked into on the toilets on, on a Brit or on an after party last oh, year. Oh, man. Yeah. You could be saying the story. Reminiscing <laughs> things. But uh, yeah, I was too much of a good person. <laughs> yeah, I grew, I grew up like completely obsessed with the Brit Awards. Like I am like a massive music fan, and yeah. my, my playlist is everything from the Killers to Ben Hemsley to Tiny Temper, who obviously had, we booked to play the festival to Sophia Spexer Scouting for Girls. Like honestly, I love all sorts of music, and you know, I, I think I just love it. Right, mm. but I was always obsessed with the Brits, and I mentioned that in my application for this Radio One thing, and obviously. When they put me on, it was the week of the Brits, so I would imagine that's why they, they thought that. So there's like a lot of like commentating on what happened last night at the Brits and all that kind of stuff. And Adele Roberts was really, really lovely. I can remember bumping into her in Gosforth when Greg James came up to do one of his charity challenges. And yeah, I used to be obsessed with radio and I used to dream of being a radio presenter, but I guess now sending emails to journalists is, is more my bag. Well, you, you never know. You never know. It'd be cool though. Like imagine doing one show a week. Cause I've obviously done this podcast now for like a year and a half or nearly two years or something. I think oh, I would actually quite like to be a radio like host. Just like one show a week, not like full time. Just as like a little, little hobby or something. I think, yeah. I, I think I'd enjoy that. Yeah. A little hobby. Yeah. yeah. With a pretty good wage packet as well. <laughs> I mean, if you're saying it, then that would be a bonus. But yeah. Like, and I think that the radio is changing as well. Like there is like that Nat O'Leary who used to, she's on Radio One now and she used to host a podcast for Pretty Little Thing mm. and she's dead cool. Like it's crazy how people get noticed now. Mm. You know, I'm not sure if she's got a degree in broadcast journalism or radio. And to be honest, I doubt, but she's incredibly good. Like she's perfect on the mic. She's done a really good job growing that Pretty Little Thing podcast. And then she got scouted. Oh, I don't know whether she applied or she got scouted, but I mean, she's an incredible person on Radio 1 now. So I think the way things are changing generally in lots of industries is is really exciting and progressive. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think getting away with CVs and portfolios helps with that like discrimination piece because we champion diversity in like many different ways nowadays, you know, race, sexuality, all, sexuality, all that kind of thing. But when it comes to how people apply for jobs and things, we don't champion different paths that people went on in their earlier life, you know, and I do think there is such pressure on young people in schools now to perform and to excel. And, you know, it's all about that brown envelope. And I think with a lot of, whether it be radio personalities or people in the media or entrepreneurs or people like Stephen Bartlett, you know, there's many, many examples of where they've literally dropped out of uni or they've got not a single qualification. You know what I mean? And that they're really powerful stories, which I think need to be told more. Because that brown envelope doesn't define you. It won't guarantee you a career, but it, you know, what also won't make you a failure. Either way, whatever grades you get, whether you get really good ones, it's not going to automatically make you a success. And whether you get what you, not what you expected or what you were told you needed, it's not going to make you a failure. No, you've got, you've got a long way to go, haven't you? Yeah. I think these days everything changes so fast and so Mm. quick and people are so precious on the way that it's always been done are going to get left behind. You've got to be open. And yeah, ready 100%. to learn. And things do things. change so quickly. Like, imagine going and doing a marketing degree now. Like, by the time you finish that three, four year degree, mm. the whole dynamics changed. Like, people are writing books on social media. I mean, my God, you know, like, how can you, like, that's a bit bonkers to me because it changes so quickly. And you'll know this, like, tenfold. Like, it's just constantly evolving. And mm. what was relevant on socials, you know, yesterday is now 
yesterday's like what's that old saying like newspaper like the yesterday's chip paper or whatever I know what you mean, um, yeah. or like what content worked really well last year or what platform was the biggest two years ago or in the pandemic and you know all, all of this stuff like the house party and clubhouse apps like the, all those like audio stuff they now like nobody hears of them and you mm. know how can you then go and learn about that right just change so yeah much. i think the best example that i can give is when i went to uni mm-hmm. one of our modules was like business or business studies or something like that. And I remember ask, asking the lecturer or seminar teacher, whatever you call her, say, oh, have you run your own business? Oh, no, but I've got a business plan. And I just thought, what the fuck am I doing here? I mean, like, I'm being taught by someone about yeah. business. That's never had their own business. Literally. And, and yeah, I was only 21, 22 at the time. And I'd never had my own business. I was just thinking about doing my own events and stuff. Why am I in here learning off this person? It's just so backwards. Yeah. I mean, like you say, outdated one of my mates he's doing marketing at uni in ireland at the moment and he's learning about shit that was five years ago and you think yeah that's not relevant yeah. at all most most people who have business degrees end up working for people hmm. you know elon musk's famous saying I, I didn't go to harvard but i hire people who do yes i, was I, mean, I, this like love, before. I, I love that and hate that because like I, I literally just said i don't hire people based on the qualifications but he's thinking thing of well i didn't go to harvard and look who i am yeah <laughs> you know in the best arrogant way possible like literally mm. you know put it to him but yeah my i done business studies like b-tech gcc thing mm. um Teachers were really good, but I was sat there and they were talking about now in hindsight, maybe should have listened because like I'm awful at maths and like cash flow and all that shit. But anyways, that's what you've got an accountant for. But like they used to battle on about all this nonsense. And I was like, Oh my God, just like let me build a website and go and tell people how great I am in PR and let them be my client. Like, mm, <laughs> like yeah. get away with all this shit. And I'm like, there's no point learning all this if you can't even get any like. Yeah, it's all well and good, all this stuff that they're spouting off, but like you need the revenue, you need the clients, you need the sales. Like that's the biggest thing. I you can work that out later on, can't you? Yeah. yeah. You just work it out as it goes. And mm. I've done that and I'm doing that as we speak constantly. Learning. That is what I love about business as well. Like my career so far, like the evolution of it and how much you learn. Like I, this is quite controversial saying this, but I fucking love making mistakes mm. and they're going to happen and you are going to fuck up. And not everything is going to be plain sailing, but that is part of life in any ways. And it's even more so important in business because how are we going to get better if we don't make mistakes or uh, do the wrong things, say the wrong things. And on the latter of that, say the wrong things. We have a lot of PR clients when we have to like recover their reputation when they've said some dodgy shit. But um, <laughs> that whole crisis comes peace. But yeah, it's all, it's all fun and games. Every day is a learning day, like quite literally, but even more so when you run your own business. Yeah. I think I get complacent when things are going well as well. Yeah, I get overconfident sometimes and I think, oh yeah, things are going well, I'm smashing it. And then, yeah, I'll just yeah, maybe let a few things go. But when you are making more mistakes, you do learn and you evolve and you grow as a person. I always say you need to be comfortable being uncomfortable by testing out new things and, yeah, and, and just ba- basically, yeah, putting yourself out of your comfort zone. But yeah, enough about the school system, slating them. Let's talk about you, what you were like at school growing up. Okay. Little Ollie. Growing Primary up. school, first um, memories. What did you enjoy doing? What were you like? Oh, what would um, your mum and dad say you were like as a kid or something like that? What did they say? Nosy. I am one of the most nosy yeah. people you will ever... Co- and that is why I work in PR, right? You <laughs> have to be so inquisitive and it's like the best job ever. Like you find out so much shit and the amount of things have stopped going to press. Anyways, what I was, what was I like as a kid? Uh, I was obsessed with Dragon's Den, The Apprentice, and I often say it's my guilty pleasure, but it's not my guilty pleasure because I'll explain why. The Kardashians, right? So... My sister used to watch them. Now she hates them, but she was watching there like when Kim and Courtney went to Miami and I was like, what the hell's this? And now ever since that, like 
I have found it really fascinating, the evolution of the Kardashian-Jenner brand from a business perspective, how they have like completely capitalized on not so great scenarios and built literally billion pound empires and media houses is incredible. Like, yeah, they're not everyone's cup of tea. And, you know, I don't watch, I watch them for two reasons. Sometimes I find them entertaining, but also they're so clever and strategic. Everything they do is like for a reason. And now I'm like that. Like, well, no, not like that as in oh, nowhere near like that. <laughs> but what I mean is now everything I do, I'm doing it for a reason. And you tend, then you realize you look around and you say, well, they're only there or in that, they're in the, at that award show or in that venue or with that person or seen here or seen it because the, there's some commercial gain or there's some long-term gain, you know, and I think that's really fascinating. And then Chris Jenner, I mean, she's a PR genius. So that was what literally my childhood is, is watching that. And <laughs> also my dad. She's a genius. She's the brains behind the yeah, operation. hundred percent. And yeah. like, even, yeah, the T, every TV show, reality TV, or you know, now it's like a docu-series, isn't it? Yeah. Some of it's like made up for camera, but you can just yeah, tell that a lot of it isn't. I think and, that they, they do it like, if you've got a strong opinion on someone, you love them or they hate them, you're doing something right, aren't you? If you're mm. in between, then you're, you're, on the you're doing something wrong. And yeah. you become irrelevant. Yeah, Honestly, exactly. that's what I think with a lot of celebrities who are realizing that sitting on the fence, there's no point. You know, you can't just be that, oh, like, look at Holly Willoughby and Philip Schofield, right? They try, they try, well, not so much Holly, but you, you try to be the, the personality that everyone's like, oh, you know, like everybody's like, oh, yeah, really nice. Like, oh, smiley, happy. Didn't work. Like, you know what I mean? You, you want to be a bit more freaking hardcore, like Piers Morgan, right? You either love him or hate him. Mm. Fine. You, we don't all have to like the same person. We don't all have to hate, you, you know, love the same person. But you, some people still hate him and that's still have an opinion. So you're still consciously thinking yeah, about it. You're still talking about it. Yeah, you're still, I mean, whether yeah. you bad mouthing him or not, you, <laughs> yeah, people don't become a household name because everyone's like walking around saying, Oh, I really like them. Yeah. You know what I mean? So nice. And, um, <laughs> yeah. Growing up, I, my favorite hobby is going out. Yeah. Which literally, if you look at my Instagram, my food highlights, it goes on and on and on, like <laughs> on which I've now realized is terrible because I need to look after myself more. And it's quite, you know, ironic really, because I've had lots of fitness clients. We've worked with gyms. We've worked with people off SS who dares wins, athletes, all like literally all sorts. I mean, we freaking work with the guy who ran a marathon every day last year. And here's me still like, Oh, Ivy, you know, like uh, <laughs> Ivy and no treat yourself, though. Yeah. But I treat myself too much. But yeah, it's all, it's all in good measure, I suppose. Or oh, there's always a reason why I'm in the Ivy. You know, I'm always with potential. Yeah, clients. Always a reason. Yeah. yeah. Always a reason, <laughs> yeah. right? It's always out the entertaining budget of the company. Yeah. And, and clients again. Yeah. All oh, <laughs> so yeah, it's that time of the week again. So yeah, but growing up, I, I wasn't really into sport. I had quite a few, I had a fairly big friendship group at school and yeah, I, I did struggle at school, but I, I was quite outspoken as by the end I was very outspoken. And I think the bullying earlier on and then bullying continued, but the bullying earlier on kind of made me, I'm going to be totally honest, into a bit of a dickhead. So, you know, it was, if I had an opinion on someone, I would let them know about it. And I think that's kind of the dangerous, vicious thing of, of, of bullying is that it can often make people so uncomfortable with themselves that they try to seek validation and making others feel uncomfortable which is very dangerous. And I, I think probably me leaving school was the, the, the hands down the best thing to happen. And it was probably a lucky escape. And yeah, so growing up, I always used to, my dad is a big golfer. So he always used to go quite often golfing with, I didn't actually golf. Yeah. I'll be the caddy. Oh, um, nice. So I've always, I'll go to horse racing or go down to big golf competitions like the Open and the PGA Championship and stuff like that. Like we do all, I loved, I love being on the road, you know, and I also love people. So 
I was constantly surrounded by adults. Like I wasn't really, yeah, I had my friends at school, but kind of outside of that weekends and things, I will be with my dad and it will be with, you know, 40 year olds plus. And I think that gave me a lot of skills actually that I now, you know, use now, you know, like I started the business when I was 16, you know, and I was winning clients, big clients from 16, 17, and they were enlisting their trust with me. Didn't realize how old I was for like a year. Like one of my first retained clients did not know how old I was for eight months. Perfect. I was 16 and I was managing and it was a healthcare company, right? Providing the huge company in Cumbria. They provide carers into the homes, so like domiciliary care. And I was handed their PR brief when I was 16 in June 2020 in the height of COVID. So this 16 year old was responsible for this company, which has been going for two decades and employs hundreds of people and has hundreds of clients and is governed by CQC. They enlisted the Tristan and then 16-year-old to manage their communications on like really to fight divisive subjects like the vaccine rollout. Like that to me is insane. And then they didn't realize how old it was for months and months and months. They're still a client today, cool. you know, and age, age is a number, like within reason, obviously. And I've I never keep telling that. myself that. Yeah. And I think, I think, I think kind of growing up, surrounded about my dad and his friends and that circle has really helped me. Mm. Um, and yeah, I, I can, I can talk, literally can talk England. I can waffle about anything, which is definitely good in my line of work. Um, for the podcast as well. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like I'll never be short of something to say. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so growing up, I was very much quite a sociable person. Yeah, school rocked my confidence quite a bit in kind of my late teens, but I was always very inquisitive, quite into my politics, but I'm not going to get into politics on here. I never get onto politics in, in this we know podcast. We should, no. <laughs> no, shouldn't talk. What is it you shouldn't talk about? Sex, politics, and money, or religion, what are you there? Or, or maybe four, or, <laughs> all four, all the above, all the above. Um, but yeah, so we're not going to talk about anything now. Are we? No, I also <laughs> the four topics. We're talk about. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I also used to DJ. I can't believe I forgot that. So I used oh, really? to, yeah, I started DJing old? when I was ten until I was about fourteen, fifteen. And oh. trust me, you'll never be as rich as a twelve-year-old charging three hundred fifty pound a night for like a three-hour DJ set, not paying a penny in tax. Like you know, I was like bloody rolling in it as twelve-year-old, isn't it? Yeah, but um, yeah, it was really fun. And again, like that's my love of music. Like I could just like whether it be like an eightieth birthday or. 40th birthday or or like a Hindu, like I would just love it like mm. l- literally every, every piece of music I love and I love live music like live bands so quite often we'll go to gigs and stuff or put gig- like really small gigs on in the village that I'm that I live in but yeah I used to DJ so that's what used to keep my time yeah, I used to DJ briefly at, when I was in sixth form and then like just when I went to uni mm. it's just yeah it's just I feel like a lot of creative people have DJs yeah and like I DJ'd with, do you remember Tim Westwood? Yeah. The guy who was on like, Pit My Ride or something like, the big dog Tim Westwood. I think so. Your time, I don't know. No, I've heard that name. Yeah, you probably recognise him, he's like old and, mm. yeah, no. But yeah, I DJ'd with him at like our sixth form party or something and that was my claim to fame. But it's good, yeah, like, when you're behind the music, you're playing tunes, everyone's having a good time, you just think yeah. class and there's decent money. But when I went to uni, I thought, yeah, there's more money in events than DJing. Yeah, at like a lower level. Events on. Yeah, yeah. You know, at a lower level anyway. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I think a lot of people do DJ or like music and stuff, isn't it? That's how I got into business and mm-hmm. stuff. So what did you want to do then when you were growing up? Was there anything that you wanted to be? Or? Uh, yeah. Uh, so quite a few things. I wanted to be a big DJ. Yeah. And then realized actually not prefer the behind the scenes. Yeah. And then wanted to be a radio presenter. To be fair, still, that's quite cool. Um, and then wanted to work in PR and marketing. Yeah. So, which is what I do now. But yeah, it's like, so growing up with that, watching the Kardashians and lots of other things like that, you, when they would say, oh, such and such publicist or such and such on our brand team or our marketing team, I would literally go and connect with them on them. 
on LinkedIn. Mm. So like, I've got loads of connections all like from when I, I literally was sitting, like when I left school, there was like six months before leaving school and starting my business and I was homeschooled. Biggest lot of nonsense ever, but got away with it. <laughs> Come for me now. <laughs> and, um, yeah, I used to sit on LinkedIn and when I was watching TV shows or like, you know, in like documentaries, like about like, like Max Clifford, mm. like that horrible publicist, but then all the people who appeared in it. So like media consultants or like other journalists and just literally connect with them and like maybe say nothing for ages, but just what are they doing? What are they up to? Who's in their circles? Like really building that network. So yeah, I've always wanted to work in PR. I find, I find it really fascinating. I would have liked to experience PR in the early 2000s when like newspapers and radio was huge because now it's all like digital PR. So a lot of it is like online news websites, which is still massive and there's still a lot of power there. Um, And we would never say no to a client being on the front page of a newspaper, obviously. But we're a lot more digital savvy and we, uh, I love that. I live on my phone, literally on my laptop. But PR has changed dramatically, but the, the principle of what you're doing hasn't and how you're controlling messaging and all that kind of thing. I find it really fascinating because, yeah, when you pick up a newspaper, probably about 80% of it is PR placed. As in, like, there's been a press release involved with that. There's been a PR person involved with that, apart from, like, your court news or, you know, the, all that kind of stuff. A lot of it business stories or even, like, human interest stories about people they're often PR placed or like product placed where you're like looking at a story about somebody, but you're like, well, why, why is that in the shop? Well, it's obvious why that's in the shop because you're now talking about that product. So yeah, I always wanted to work in PR and I did want to be a business owner. I, I find it really fascinating. However, now if I'm being totally honest, I prefer what we do rather than running the business. I would in love sense? in, in like, the whole, the whole, like, being the HR, being responsible for the finance, being responsible for payroll, being all, all of these things that you have to do, like, oh, I can't stand it. And I, I would love to, in terms of, like, long-term goals, is definitely to grow in a position where there would be another managing director. Point is, and you would then just become the CEO or the chairman or whatever, because oh, I cannot stand it. Like, it gets in the way of me doing what I love which I guess is a problem because it's really important to work on the business. But I do love sales. Like I, I like to think I can sell shit to a, what's that saying? Sell shit to a cow or whatever it is. Yeah. Like I honestly, I feel like I have, that's a gift of my, cause I can talk, which is a much needed skill, right? When you're selling, you have your own business. But yeah, I, I honestly, like I don't, I'm not a fan of that. Yeah. Like I, I like the idea of being an entrepreneur and I like to have my fingers in lots of different pies. But the actual like nitty gritty running a business does not appeal to me. That's that's what I mean though. Like a lot of people think a lot of entrepreneurs. To be fair, there's a lot of moving parts to business, isn't it? When people see business owners, you always see the best, and don't you see that when they're smashing it or they're out having food or whatever? But they don't see like when they come into the office and they've got a million emails of unhappy clients or Mm. fucking whatever you overspent or or whatever it is, and. Yeah, it's Zen bits that aren't as fun, are they? But it's so integral mm. to the core, yeah. Yeah, yeah. At, at the heart of the business. But I'm the same, yeah. I, I couldn't be bothered with all that stuff. It's just no. like, yeah. And I let like my mountain of stuff to do for like yeah, a yeah, point of view, like just grow. Stick off the other stuff at the bottom and just leave the important stuff at the top. Yeah. But yeah, so had you, you said you'd always want to have your own business then. Like, I'm intrigued. You see, 16, yeah, starting your own business. Mm-hmm. Like at sixteen, I can't remember what, what was that? I did at sixteen. I can't remember work selling ice cream or something at my mate's business. Summer. Like at sixteen, why why PR? Why marketing? Why 
Why I don't like know. I, how, how did that even come well, about? Well, I do know, because I just love it, right? Uh, but there was nobody else in my near area doing that. Mm. And before that, I'd always used to, like, uh, do press releases and stuff for, like, really small businesses, like, just as a favour, or, like, 50 quid here and there, or, like, let me send this out and I'll get you in the local paper, or, you know, that, you know, that's what I've built my career on, is, like, getting small businesses in the local paper, and now we place brands on this morning on Sky Sports, on Sky News, with Kay Burley, on Good Morning Britain, in the Daily Mail, in the Guardian, like, you know, we've, on Lab Bible, on Unilad, on Tyler, all these huge publications, we've had clients placed there, and we do frequently, you know, and that started with me sending press releases for the local taxi firm or the local nightclub to the Whitehaven News. Like, every, it's, it, everything you starts start somewhere. somewhere. Yeah, yeah but everyone also, starts from zero. Yeah, forget that. a lot of, uh, what, the game that I, I shouldn't really be giving this away, but the game that I've always done is find the journalists who are like you, as in, yeah, the, maybe the trainee journalist or the young journalist, because they aren't going to stay at that local newspaper for the rest of their career. The amount of journalists that I've worked with earlier on in my, like, uh, earlier on in my career, bloody hell, I've gone being gone three years. <laughs> but actually, like Oliver, but like three years ago, who I was working with, and now so many of them are working at the Sun, at the Daily Mail, at Fabulous Magazine at this morning, you know, on the news desk of Sky Sky News, and they started off, like, somewhere. So it's, like, the same for everybody, and that's what I've, like, realised, is connect with the people who are on your level, rather than trying to go to the people who are, like, oh, shut up, you 16-year-old publicist, like, who the hell do you think you yeah, are? Yeah, fuck you. you. Know, but, well, a good story is a good story, right? That's yeah. that's what we've got in our gift as well, though, is, like, you know, if we've got a good story, they're, they're going to want to run with it, you know? And we're all about people, stories, powerful headlines, all that kind of thing. But, yeah, I guess, uh, yeah, I used to volunteer and do it on the side for like when I was DJing as well and all that kind of stuff. And I just thought, you know what, like, what have I got to lose? And still to this day, I'm like, what have I got to lose? You know, I still live at home with my parents, even though I'm literally never there. I'm in every other hotel going, but I don't have a mortgage, don't have kids, not married. No responsibilities. No responsibilities, but now I have a very big responsibility to a team, to clients, you know, to the payroll, to all of those bills, all of this office, you know, you, responsibility in a very different way but because i've got very little personal responsibility i am prepared to take that you know what have i got to lose i believe in what we're doing i believe in our service and our team but yeah i, I guess like it's just it's literally been a whirlwind three years like it's some of its stuff's insane you know and we've won massive industry awards when we've been up against like agencies that have been going for 20 years or agencies that have been going five years and they've got a 40 head count and a, you know multi multi multi-million pound agencies backed by you know, editors of national newspapers or whatever it is, you know, we've won awards against them, which is really humbling. And it's not just about the awards, but it's the acknowledgement that, you know, it's good work over, yeah. over the tick box exercises, you know, or the head counts or, you know, that's the other thing. We're quite a, 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 a boutique, a boutique agency, sorry. And I think you tend to find that in both PR and marketing, it's not necessarily about the head count. It is about the delivery. People don't want to be paying 10 grand for an agency retainer when really more than half of that is being spent on your HR team, your, your, your bloody yeah. printers in the office. The fact that you've got a massive shiny office in Manchester or, you know, your finance team or all of these, they want to pay for delivery. They want to pay for the videographer. They want to pay for the copyright. They want to, pay, they want to pay for what's making them money, yeah. not like everything else. So that's why I think smaller agencies win just as much. Yeah. Is so because- I was actually asked that question yesterday because I just work from home. Like, all the team do. Someone was saying, oh, what do you think you'd get an office? And we had one in Cardiff. And then I was saying, now no, because I'm in Cumbria. Yoni's in Cardiff. Zeeshan's in Ireland. And Maha's overseas. And like, what would it be paying an office for me to go to work by myself and sit in the office and be like, yeah, yeah, charging yeah. that onto client retainers, which isn't going to make them money and stuff. And you just think, 
there is so many agencies I feel that are traditional. Yeah. And too precious on what they should be doing rather than how they can get better results and provide better service. But it's just my opinion. <laughs> yeah. Oh no, I totally agree. And like, contrary to the fact that we're, um, sat in my office. I'll touch on that because I can't work. You've got seven, you've got seven people in here though. Yeah. Well, to be <gasps> fair, like there are a lot of them are based like all over. There's never a day where there's like all seven of us are here and a lot of them are, you know, contractors and consultants and a few FTE full-time employees and stuff. But yeah, we, we, you know, we've got one, Bianca who is working with us from London and, you know, people who are working all over the county, whether it be Carlisle, Kendall, you know, and, and beyond. But some of them like have been in the office three times and we've been here since May last, May 2021. Mm. But to be honest, the reason we have an office is not because those people want, want it. It is because I cannot work at home. Mm. However, there's a hybrid policy, a hybrid policy that applies to every single person, right? You don't have to come into the office if you don't want to, as long as you get your work done. And I don't care whether people work 6 a.m. till 2 p.m. or 9 a.m. till 5 p.m. Like I couldn't give a shit. As long as we, what we always make sure is during most clients' operational hours, there is somebody available. So then that, get the work done and I'm absolutely fine. You know, get the deadline. Get the deadline. If the client has an issue, well, then I'm bothered. But uh, but yeah. And that's so important these days. Like work-life balance is so important, isn't it? So like people can take the kids to school, nip out for half an hour or pick the kids up from school or nip out for an appointment and not have to be like, I take half a day off work or can I take a full day off work just for me and your things where you can work around deadlines, can't you? If you know something needs to be in tomorrow, yeah, you might be working till 10 o'clock at night, but the next day you can wake up and start at 12 or something. It's not a big deal, is it? Yeah. But that's like people being too precious on the way things should be done mm-hmm. rather than what can be done. Yeah, a hundred percent. And you know, I, we don't, we definitely don't need an office. Like it is a bit of a, if I would have one though, to be fair, if everyone was in the same location, if I had multiple people in the same location, like mm-hmm. so in Cardiff I did, because we had a few people in Cardiff, yeah. but now we're all over the spot. It's a waste of my personal yeah, it's, it's, money. It, it, it's a cost. It is yeah. a waste, arguably is a waste of money because we would deliver the same thing whether we all mm-hmm. work or in a Starbucks or at a cafe. Like this, we do not, like this isn't a studio. You know what I mean? Like our studios are client locations or, or whatever we're doing like that. But it is really good for like, client meetings or they want to come off of their premises. Podcasts or, as well. <laughs> yeah. Right. Invite, like when we've, we've had loads of like broadcasters in here, loads of journalists and like famous people, like Jake Books in this office. Really? So yeah, well. In this chair or? <laughs> no. And he wasn't even on that sofa because that sofa only came two weeks ago. But uh, he came for a shower uh, when we ha- were having the festival and he came and chilled in the office for less than five, ten minutes. Could you consider um, for the festival? Although I think we're like, why Jake Book for a shower? <laughs> but yeah, so... Yeah, I guess the office has many advantages. Um, but also in West Cumbria, although now our clients spread all across the country, a lot of typical old West Cumbrian businesses quite like the, oh, come, come to the office. You know what I mean? Like it's still a little bit like that in Cumbria, I think. And I'm not going to be able to change that overnight. We're not going to be able to change that overnight. Like some people still operate traditionally. And you know what? If it works for them, it works for them. You yeah, know, it's different. There's no one size fits all, is there? No, is it? There isn't. And, uh, you know, you also meet some really incredible people. Like some of our neighbors in here are really fascinating, really motivating. A lot of them have become friends. You know, Lindsay and Klein next door as well. He's a bundle of fun. And then there's some massive companies in here, like Amentum. They're huge. They're a billion pound organization in America, like a multi, multi billion pound organization. And they're really, really cool. They collaborated with us on the festival. And, you know, Sellafield have Rico over, over the other side of the peddler. And, and, you know, there's all sorts going on in here. Mm. It's a really fascinating place. You get a lot of interesting people walk through for meetings and stuff like that. It's a very hybrid place as well. 
so yeah, I, I, I love coming here. I can concentrate. I work really late as well. So I, I, you don't tend to see me in the office till 11, half 11. Obviously, if we've got client meetings, yeah, I will come in early, but I try to schedule everything. The earliest is half 10 for a meeting because I yeah. want time to like wake up, but I perform way better at night. Yeah. Honestly, the amount of press releases that I wrote that I'm like, that is unreal. And it was like half one in the morning. Who is it? Yeah. And I look in the morning and think, why is that not laden with spelling mistakes? Like, what the <laughs> hell? Like, I was writing that at half one, but like no distractions at that time. You know, yeah. Like, I, my, my creative kind of juices and thought and process all come alive then. So I've got to capitalize on that. And this office is 24 hours. This building's 24 hours. That's so I can yeah. come and go whenever I want. Saturday, Monday, whatever time. Mm. It'd be Monday at 3 a.m. in the morning or Saturday night. Do you accept on that sofa yet then? <laughs> well, <laughs> well it's not yet. <laughs> but uh, obviously the office is very close to, very close to Whitehaven's nightlife. So I've definitely been in here drunk, <laughs> which I'm not going to go into details on. No, that's I will. Kind of podcast. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, it is a, it honestly is a great space. I, what it was, I was waiting for my lift once and it was pouring down. So I came into the office and sat here drunk waiting for my lift with uh, one of my friends. Um, <laughs> but, but yeah, so yeah, it is a great, it is a great space and I love it. I do love it. I've got a funny office story. When I was in Cardiff, I'll tell you off there. I'm not staying on the podcast, but yeah, having an office is a good place for a night out. Definitely. Right. What was it like setting up the business at 16 and how on and no? Did you do it all yourself? Did you have any help? Was it yeah. overwhelming? It was not overwhelming. I was dead chill. I was like, it was a slow start to be fair. Yeah. You know, I went from literally charging 50 pound for a press release to, you know, 500, 600 plus, mm-hmm. but also just on that, like all of our structures and things are completely bespoke to each client because every client is different and our deliverables for every client is different. But yeah, it was a slow start and like it, not everything happens overnight, but yeah, no one in my family has ever run a business ever. So I had no one to lean on. Right. And the second you go for professional advice, money costs i had 25 pound on the 30th of march 12 it went registering as a limited company's company's house you know i had my laptop and i was at home and had a wi-fi connection and i just went for it and i was like well what's the worst that can happen literally what is the worst that can happen i was doing nothing else i knew i actually done two shifts at the local pub lasted two shifts and was like this is not for me i am not very good i can't deal with you know this is really bad, but I'm going to admit it. Like I can't deal with a boss that like, mm. I, I want to do my own thing. That is like not ideal. Right. But then I think that helps me. I would like to think in becoming a good boss. Like I try my hardest to be so flexible for all of our team and all that kind of thing. And I'll let them speak for how that is. I'm not going to, you know, say that I am, but I just try my hardest and be really accommodating and flexible. And I think I am with the whole like hybrid working policy and do whatever you want, basically, as long as we get the work done, we're here to life's we're here once. Let's have a bit of fun with work, but I just couldn't deal with like a boss, which I'm going to, you know, that isn't the best thing to say. Like you should always like, you know, you should listen to people and lead. I can listen to people, but I'm also the constant thing. Oh no, I'm not doing that. Like, you know, I just wanted to be self-employed, right? control my own hours, destiny, everything like that and deal with, yeah. And I was like, I'm going to get myself in for some really late nights, you know, stressful night. And it is, it can be lonely. I honestly think being in business is fairly lonely because mm. yeah, I can walk in or I can have a day where I'm back to back meetings and then an award show in the evening and on telly and doing this and doing that. And you're surrounded by hundreds of people or like loads of people and it's all busy, 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 but you can still feel really lonely. And there has been times, you know, as frequent as like this week where you, you sit there and you think, right, well, I am, like I am driving this business forward, it, you know, no one else really is, is like that 
bothered, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Like it's up to us as individuals. So when when I started, I, I wasn't I was a lot more chill than I am now. And now I'm very much about goals and like let's have a bit more of a strategy to how we do things. It's easy when you're by yourself and you're first starting out, and then when there's yeah. more people involved in your team and the clients' demand, yeah, and yeah. you get bigger slash better or whatever clients. Yeah, it does become a lot more stressful because mm. there's, there's more pressure and there's something to lose, isn't there? Whereas when you're first starting, you've got nothing to lose, have you? You'll maybe yeah. lose a few hundred quid here and there. Exactly. And, yeah. and then when you've got it and as well, if if it fails, you lose your ego. Like we were saying before, every yeah. business owner has an ego, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, if you say the, that. Hate the game, not the player. Yeah. But yeah, it's, it is, it is stressful. But mm. people don't understand that they think being your own boss is Oh yeah, people think, honestly, all my friends think it's like absolutely brilliant. Like, they swan just in think swan in. And yeah, I'm not going to lie, like I swan in at half 11 or 11, right? Unless I've got meetings. But you right definitely now. go in 12 o'clock. It's me early after 11, now it's gone 11, half 11. <laughs> it's just around that time, very late morning. And they all just think it's brilliant. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know when you're clocking off at three o'clock or four o'clock, like I'm going to be in the office for another six hours mm. or I can't switch off. Yeah. The second I wake up, I'm thinking, sh- I-, I will look at, the work phone first and look at the mountain of emails or before I go to bed, I'll be replying to emails and scheduling them to go out in the morning. That is the best thing ever on Gmail, like G Suite. You oh, can really? scheduling emails. Freaking love it. Do you know? Oh my God. If you're like ever batching a load of emails out and you're like in a writing mode, at like Saturday afternoon or whatever, and you don't want them to go then mm-hmm. and you want them to go at like 8.35 on the Monday morning, you mm-hmm. can schedule them and it's like brilliant. Oh, I need to do that. Yeah. yeah. Cause I sit writing emails really late at night and like my clients, I don't want them to think, oh, are you all right, Ollie? Like, why are you working at 11 o'clock? But I'll just schedule it for the morning and they'll walk in and there'll be an email from them. And they're like, oh, Oliver's up early today. Yeah. <laughs> like, no, I'm not. <laughs> Deep in sleep while I'm reading my email. <laughs> but then I'll wake up in the middle and I think, oh, shit, did I put a comma in that? And then it's already like, you know, if it was already sent or whatever, but scheduled, you can like, yeah. yeah. Oh, did I swear when I'm not going to swear to that client? But yeah, honestly, I think it's been a really interesting journey so far and there's going to be so much still to come and, I guess when we, we did launch, I didn't expect of, of us to achieve so much and our clients achieve so much. And definitely I like to talk about the biggest highlight. And the biggest highlight for me is our work on, which was pro bono, but we invested a lot of money and resource into the campaign was Gary McKee's challenge last year. So for those that don't know, hopefully you do know, you remember this story. There was a guy in Cleetamua, which is five minutes from here, who ran 365 marathons in 365 days. So marathon every day in 2022. We handled his whole PR and media relations brief. That was for Gary, aka Cumbria's Marathon Man. And that wasn't his first challenge. He used to do, he's done so many over the years, like absolutely insane challenges. And he wanted to raise a million pounds. And I said to him in December 2021 that we would love to be part of your story and help you with that messaging and that PR and that press and that TV, radio, etc. And he was like, yeah, absolutely. And that was our 12 month kind of like social value commitment. And I would be up at his house in Cleetmoor at half four in the morning, you know, often overseeing TV or really late at night when we were doing late night shows or handling hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of media inquiries. And the campaign was 12 months and that is a long time for any whether it be marketing campaign, any or PR campaign, that is a long time. And to keep that story alive, there was natural like lulls, you know, so we would bring in celebs or sports stars or whatever and things like that. So there's a lot of like, for, our, for us, it was a, a brilliant thing to work on. 
and I knew that we were delivering impact for, for this insane guy, this really humble, fantastic Cumbrian who was doing an incredible challenge and task. Uh, and he kept saying to me, yeah, we're not at a million. We're not, we're not anywhere near. Like it was, it was August and I don't even think we were anywhere near 400,000 pound yet. And I was, I was thinking, right, okay, we're still going to get there. We're still going to get there. And he was like, yeah, we're absolutely going to get there. And not going to lie. Like he'll even say this. There was a lot of people, there was a lot of rumblings. Like, oh, you know, a million, that was maybe too big of a target. And Gary, and Gary is one of the, he's a leader. And he said, we're going to get to a million, Oliver. And I was like, yeah, we're going to get to a million. And actually now it's 1.4 million pound that he raised. And you know, that the buildup was huge. Right. But on New Year's Eve last year, that is when I realized I'm in the right fucking job. I loved that. There was like, you know, we were on Sanderson Drive where Gary lives and at half four in the morning there was sat trucks. So the massive broadcast trucks for breakfast, Sky Sports, Radio 5 Live, Radio, all of them, all the local ones, regional, there was TV cameras and paps and photographers all over the estate. <laughs> and I, it was like herding sheep, honestly. And it was like, right, Gary, you know, and I, I've done the McDonald's run for all of his family, Mackey's breakfast. <laughs> and I was like, right. And we were like back to back interviews, then running a marathon. And we were like pulling Gary like halfway through, like the literally the last marathon, right? You're on, you're live on Sky News. Do this, do this, do da, da, da. Yeah. And we, we were doing a massive segment with BBC Breakfast. And that was going out all, all during their morning show, which is obviously the biggest breakfast show as well as Good Morning Britain in, in the country. And the day started and I think we were nearly 500 grand, right? At four o'clock in the morning. And like, Every like 10 minutes, once the media started, it was like another 20 grand. It was another third. And it was like, you could just see people like literally tearing up. Like it was incredible. And, and then by the time you finished, you know, it was, it was nearing a million. It was about nine o'clock at night when it hit a million. And that was insane. Like Lad Bible posted it. Like we had Lad Bible. They posted, they were actually, I think one of the guys was on site because he, the guy was born and bred around here. So he, his family's still here. So he came back. Jacka. There were so many people we, we dealt with and worked with it. it hard to remember all their names but they posted it and like within four or five minutes of him finishing and that post was like literally going insane yeah and i was like oh my god you know and obviously new year's eve is a fairly slow news day other than the fact it's new year's eve <laughs> nothing much else is happening no. um so that's always a good day to do something scandalous if you want to be in the purpose on new year's day <laughs> or christmas day but yeah so the, the media attention was huge and it was on like bbc world news and it was the clicker you know where you watch the news and it's going round with the massive breaking news headlines mm. and it was breaking news marathon man history and i was like what the hell <laughs> this is insane and then next thing you were getting calls from abc cnn in america fox news were ringing me like we want gary on we want gary on now and facilitating that was was chaos. I'm going to say that means like it carnage. Was absolute carnage. And I loved it. And when he was finishing, we had this whole like run of press. So you know, when you see like outside Downing Street or outside like on a red cat, and there's literally just like, uh, there was a line of like, I'm talking six or seven TV cameras, four or five photographers, journalists, all sorts of them, like massive sat trucks everywhere. There was like 2000 people watching him at Wasbrow, this rugby club coming in, all these, like he was running in, there was fireworks going off. I was like, oh my God, this guy's done it. Yeah. Like, what the fuck? He's run 365 marathons in 360. And look, like, look at how many people are behind him. Yeah. It is insane. And the money that he raised was incredible. And to think that we played a, a part in that. And he does go around saying, you know, Platinum Live out 100% one of the reasons we got, you know, well over that million or to that million is because we had to get it. We had to get the story well beyond Cumbria. We weren't going to ever raise that much money just by fundraising in Cumbria ever. And it was insane. Like the 
photographers were fighting with each other. Our staff photographer, Carlos, was like, where the Daily Mail photographer was having a go at him. You're in my way. You're in my shot. Carlos was, I've been here for 12 months. I will stand here. <laughs> and it was, oh, I was like, oh God. But I loved it. And I was like, this is crazy. And they were all wanting Gary. And I was like, right, guys, chill. We're going here for, and I like, I was sort of telling them who's going first. I was like, yeah. I love this. Like, yeah. I'd love to handle the PR brief for like another like massive name. Right. And that's kind of when I realized that people PR is definitely my my for, my biggest forte and the thing i love the most is like managing pr for people whether it be a fundraiser or an athlete or an entrepreneur or a media personality because i love people and their stories and their crack and what they've got to say and every story is so different right mm-hmm. and his is just so powerful but yeah that is definitely the highlight in the last three years yeah that's amazing though isn't it and i suppose like you say with so much being digital these days that that you could see that in real life when you? you could see the cameramen the photographers you could see the people who were celebrating with them coming in you're just yeah, yeah. like it's like an, it's like an event isn't it really kind of thing and you're thinking i've, I've orchestrated orchestrate this pretty much yeah. everyone being here as and well. and i can remember like amy who runs gary's socials and amy's been working with gary for ages like me and her are like best friends now and she doesn't do social media like professionally she works at sellerfield in a completely different role and like she was doing these like and you could just when i watch them back and you can hear her cry and you can see like like the emotion involved with that challenge was huge because that guy was getting up at five o'clock every morning and running a marathon and then going to do back shift at two o'clock till 10 o'clock at night. It was insane. And I don't think it's like, you can't underestimate it. And I don't think anybody does, but people, you, you could then, you know, you've got the very few people who are like finding a way to like justify how he's done it. And like, no, he's just done it because he's a fucking insane human. Mm-hmm. Like it, his mental attitude is so inspiring and in how his outlook on life well, yeah, like different. being at a place where, like, that was the talking point of New Year's Eve. That was on the front page of so many national newspapers. Mm. Like, that was, and, and here's, um, here's me and Gary here. At, oh, uh, that was it. That was in a directed box at Old Trafford for the Rugby League World Cup last November. Weekend in November where we, we took, we went, me, Amy, and Gary, he ran a marathon in Manchester and a marathon in London and then came back and ran the marathon the day before and come in the, the day after in, Cumbria again so that was a really busy weekend and he took the trophy out for the rugby league world cup and you know we were sat literally we were sat in like sir alex ferguson seat like we were sat in the not the nice hospitality ones they Mm. moved us to these like black padded seats where they've got like alex ferguson written on and like all it yeah we were sat next to like claire Baldwin, lindsay hoyle the speaker of the house of commons like like jenna brooks of sky sports and like all andy burnham the met like i was like I doing here but it just shows the impact his story was having and and yeah like to be there on new year's eve knowing that like this has been talked about literally across the world yeah like, and you google it now it's in all sorts of like german newspapers french newspapers like the thing was like it was huge i compare it almost to you know the captain tom piece you know and how big that became and gary deserved every bit of it you know he, he, that challenge and that the causes did so but by the way as you know i can talk for england but that is the highlight in the last three no years. i remember it honestly yeah i do remember it yeah and i think it's cool but it's, just, yeah. just, just be a part of it isn't it oh yeah just, and, and being around part. him yeah like you know it's like built different isn't it it's inspiring like just surround yourself with people who do inspire you and motivate you to be better and yeah i think it's just cool but yeah so t- tell us a bit more about the business sense obviously like you said that's the highlight but how's it been the last three years for you obviously like starting in covid to now this is the first technical year that we've been out of COVID. Yeah. How have things kind of changed and evolved for you person, um, personally and as, as a business? Yeah. So I guess like I've matured a lot. I was already very mature, but 
my goals have changed and what we're doing. We have, so we operate across PR and social. I tend to leave, lead a lot of the PR offering and then Karen on our team leads the social offering. Uh, but yeah, our portfolio is, has, has been dramatically diverse the last three years. We work with property developers. We've worked with public sector organizations and local government. We've worked with Australian projects like Smart Cities Council, which is backed by KPM. We've worked with, which we still work with a really, really incredible personal branding agency in London called Corogo. So, you know, we, we, we work with them. We just started working with them again uh, on a, on a partnership piece. So yeah, we, we've worked with all sorts. We work with people in finance, finance experts, we work with healthcare brands. Lots of like, we've worked with people off SS who does wins, as I said before, it's been really exciting and our portfolio, I'd like things speaks to itself. So yeah, we're a little mighty fine team in Whitehaven with associates all over the country, but you know, we've have placed clients on some of the biggest publications in the world, on some of the biggest TV channels in the world. And, you know, I've also invested quite a lot of time into my own kind of profile and what I do as well. Like I like to get out there. I do like to do, you know, the TV rounds. I do a bit of commentating here and there, which I really enjoy. Um, and obviously by us doing that, that by me doing that, it helps build the, you know, the visibility and the platform for the actual company. And then we would walk in the walk as well. Or is it talk? Yeah. We walk in the walk as well as talk in the talk. Yeah. yeah. And you know, I, I, I like to, if, if I wasn't very good on camera or I wasn't very good at speaking, how can I advise clients, you know, from a media training perspective? But yeah, we, 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 we've done quite a bit. We've worked with, we worked on music festivals and stuff. Like I've worked with everybody from Scat for Girls to Chris Moyles, Bad Boy Chiller Crew, um, Tiny Temper, Vaccines, Jake Borg, Bonnie Hem, um, Beyond Again to brands, uh, like Porsche, Mighty, the BBC, Sky, you know, so it is, it is very varied and exciting. And yeah, we've worked with really big names, but we've also worked with some of the smallest companies in the county. And I love that because the impact that we can drive for them is often far greater than the impact you could drive for any other massive project. You know what I mean? Like mm. the impact that you it's can bring to a small business is so motivating. And I think that's what we love about a lot of our work is, you know, we're helping people like us, the same size as us, doing great things. We're helping them become known. And, you know, that's really important. And we hold that quite close to our heart is making sure that we have just as many mighty fine, cool, exciting company clients as we do, you know, exciting big brands, you know. But yeah, we, we, 2024 is definitely going to be another incredible year. We've got a lot of exciting things planned. We're all about growing, growing our expertise in our team as well. But I think within reason, like we don't need a team of 20 right now. You know, we're more about delivery than we are about like faff and, you know, archaic traditions of like, oh, you know, there's no printer in it. Well, there is a printer in here, but it doesn't work. That's um, <laughs> where no printer works. <laughs> yeah, no. And but stuff like that, you know, we're just not interested in that. Like let's, let's deliver some really good work and let that speak for itself. And, you know, it's just deliver and communication and, and be on the ground and stuff. So yeah, it's, it's been crazy. I've been everywhere from a this morning TV studio to, you know, it could be a local TV stu- studio in Carlisle with like ITV border or, you know, could be filming up mountains or, you know, running, trying to run after like a guy running a marathon, like, you know, to get a, <laughs> to get a piece of video for TV or, you know, overseeing a content shoot or launching a festival on the harbour or like literally over there or, you know, driving, going with Lindsay to go and pick up a Porsche for a media launch and driving it back. Although I wasn't allowed to drive it because you have to be over 21. Oh, so mate. next year. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I do. I only actually passed my driving test last August and it was the worst thing ever because I trekked myself to a fairly nice BM for a 19 year old last September and I bought it 
on 32,000 miles and it's now on 80,000 miles. Like, oh, yeah, it's like year. just over a year. Like, I, honestly. But it, one year? Yeah, just over a year. That's, yeah, I suppose my math is incredible, but that's like what, like. 60,000 Yeah, that's insane. It's a lot of miles, yeah. That is a lot of miles. I've done quite a few trips to London and back and, and just, but also it's like been brilliant because I can just do whatever. Like, I yeah. used to rely on taxis or friends and I hate relying on people. Oh, uh, it's, it's not good. It's just not ideal. You know, people mm. were always like, oh yeah, we'll take you in. We'll do this. Da, 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 da. Like obviously I had the office before I drived and Gosford is 25 minutes away, you know, and even my train station would be, is like six mile walk from my village. So like, it was all, I would always need someone to take me from the village to the train station mm. or if there was no trains from the, you know, to here to work. Well, you'd have run, you'd a, a marathon client. You should just run for the office every yeah. day. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so I, I want to know, right, with all this stuff going on, busy, like how, how do you, how do you switch off? How do you organize your time? What, 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 yeah. what kind of, so you put your life? One. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I have, I have a really close, like group of friends and um, one friend in particular at the moment who's like, I'm ridiculously close with and, you know, spend, I do try and spend a lot of time with them, whether it is food or, you know, going somewhere and doing something and having the car out often, you know, road trips. And I love driving and going to new places, new cities. Like I love, I do love England and, and Scotland as well, but I feel like we have some fantastic gems and, you know, we do get, we all say we don't like the country, you know, all that nonsense at the minute about like how shit it is. And I just, I don't think it is. I think it's a really special country that we live in and I like going and exploring that. And yeah, I guess that's how I turn off is by getting in the car and driving somewhere and going for food. Mm. Um, I think that driving is therapeutic. Yeah, I do. I, 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 I like driving. Like I'll happily drive to Cardiff. I'll drive to London and stuff. Mm. I hate public transport because I hate relying on something yes. else being in control of my destiny is too deep of a word, but like in control of like where I need to be. I'd yeah. rather be stuck in a traffic jam, but me being able to turn off and go. And different way something like that yeah. yeah apart from when you're on the motorway and you can't turn around and there's like you literally yeah jet. apart that's from that annoying. <laughs> and last week i was driving up from cardiff and it took an extra hour and i was like oh, I I on music all place yeah it's bothering you yeah no one's like passing you like you know you can go to sleep if you want not if you're driving but if you're a passenger yeah. <laughs> but um, me got the train back from carlisle to cardiff last week Game to 10 hours that's insane 10 hours and i was like oh man i feel so bad i am so so sorry but obviously not and his train was delayed today as well. And I yeah. just think, fuck that. Yeah, public transport in this country isn't, uh, get, how isn't can they brilliant. cancel stuff at the drop of a hat? I every don't day? Know. Yeah. And, and the whole like, you know, getting away from the policy thing. And it's just such a faff. It's so honestly, it's, I do, I, however, I do like getting the train to London. Yeah. I have drove to it's London. It's like three hours, three and a half hours. It isn't is. It? Yeah. But it's also so fucking expensive, man. Like it's a good 300 quid. And then when I'm like, well, yeah. I'm not, I want, if I'm paying for a ticket, I want a seat. Therefore you end up forking out even more to sit in first class. Like it's, it's insane because you can pay all that money for a train ticket, but you're actually not even guaranteed a seat. Yeah. If it's a, you know what I mean? Like the amount of people when you've got, you normally, when you get on at Houston, like coming back, mm. like, you know, the place is rammed. Like people are sat on the floor and I'm like, you're praying the same amount for someone sitting there. Yeah. How is that right? How, how are they allowed to oversell? I don't know. Like I, that the very week when I came back from, from Marbella and I'd never get the train and it was cheaper for me to fly back to Manchester to get the train from Manchester to Carlisle rather than fly to Newcastle. Um, I was stood upon the train from Manchester until wherever I was and I was like, I fucking hate my life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah. I prefer driving. Yeah. People are like, I'm like, what the hell? Why are you driving? Like, 
I, I honestly, so many miles. Yeah, no. you know. But also, I'm like, oh well, I'm just speeding up my learning. Like, I just <laughs> m- what miles people were doing four years. So I've yeah, now, yeah. I was like, oh, I've got four years experience now. Yeah, <laughs> like, I try and put that in my head, <laughs> which I suppose. I mean, no, that sounds really ridiculous. Mm. But I mean, maybe not four years, but you're definitely getting more experience, aren't you? The more yeah, you drive, definitely. Is a lot. it good enough to people like driving X amount of years? I would say. Yeah, no, hundred percent. It's just. Practicing, isn't it? I wish the insurance company would know that, though, because my insurance is literally a fucking fortune. <laughs> Shouldn't have got such a good car. <laughs> it's like £230 a month, and I, honestly, that, oh, that is man. insane, because my dad's like, well, mine's only £140 a year. And I'm like, yeah, having me on. <laughs> mine's like £50 a month, but I've got too many points on at the moment, so yeah, it's going to go up. But <laughs> don't speed. That's my only <laughs> thing to you. Well, <laughs> I've already done that, so <laughs> I've done the course, so now I understand. Quick question. On the way into Whitehaven, you might not know the answer, there's like speed, S1 speed camera, but it's like meant to be 40, but then it's 30. Does that work? Uh, but did you not go over the bypass? Yeah, I did, yeah. But it's like meant to be a 40. Like on my Google Maps, it's like 40. But then on, there was like lots of 30 signs, like it was like roadworks something. Is that actually? Oh, right, yeah. Because it's speed camera work. Been loads of work. No, I don't think so. It's like like literally fuck. just the one before you'll have come down yeah, the yeah, like yeah. after the dual carriage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. Oh, sorry. Then thank fuck. Cause I was going to like 40 so. and it's like a 30 and I was like, I can not. It's just check. because it's a temporary. Yeah, it's temporary. Speed measure. Measure. Yeah. Okay, at okay, speed okay. limit. Yeah, fine. Cause you're doing all the work. So, right, you'll, be, so. you'll be fine. Thank you me. <laughs> right. <laughs> Enough about that. So yeah. What are your plan then? 2024. It's going to be a big year. I'm excited for 2024 to be fair. I think 2023 for me, I've seen a lot of progress personally mm-hmm. and in business and stuff. Cause I feel like just. I don't know if I'm, are we in a recession or not? I can't personally yeah, tell. Yeah, people say, oh no, but I'm like, well, that's what we're struggling with because yeah. it's just they're non-existent. No yeah. one has any money to spend. And we've seen that with the festival. Yeah. As I was explaining to you before, it's been a really difficult year for that as that industry as a whole struggled because of consumer spending. But also I've seen that with Plot Live from a B2B perspective, like people aren't just like thinking away with money. Whereas I should take their advice because I literally spend it like it's champagne lifestyle lemonade wages. Mm. Uh, and yeah, 2024 is definitely going to be exciting. We're going to, I'm going to, I am going to be a lot more strategic about things. I'm going to put a lot more practices in place. And like, I really want to work on like our sales funnel, for example, and mm. how we onboard clients and streamlining that, make it easier and quicker. Like, Ultimately, you know, a lead comes in on Monday. I want to be on a discovery call by Wednesday. I want a proposal sent by Friday, Monday. Mm. I want that business hopefully closed a week and two days after that Monday inquiry. Send me that um, system when you get it done then, yeah? Yeah, I will do. <laughs> That's efficient. So, I mean, we did that this week, actually. A lead came in Tuesday morning. We were on a discovery call Wednesday at 2pm. The proposal was sent 4pm Wednesday and the deal is secure this morning. That's amazing, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. I wish like, every client was the like that. Like, fucking around. I, obviously, like, uh, some clients, you know, they, they then got to take it to the board or to the partners or the manager directs or whatever if the inquiry wasn't from somebody senior. Fair enough. But, like, I want us to be let's, we, we're fast communicators with our clients when they're onboarded. So when the league comes in, let's action it. Like, let's not faff around. Start as mean to go on, yeah. You know, we need to know where we're at. How many clients do we have? What's the cash flow perspective? What can we spend on that? You know, getting new clients in is really important. 2024, I really want to focus on that. Also really want to focus on myself, like my own health and well-being. Definitely going to employ or find a personal trainer because my own fitness and health game is lacking and i'm back at the brits in march on march 2nd i just want to look cool Definitely. my outfits always look cool but like yeah. my jawline needs to be more cinched i think you should so, you still you honestly you'll feel so much better yeah. like mentally yeah i think for me like i'm no fitness expert or whatever but i like to go to the gym and 
relatively healthy most of the time. And it's just, when I don't go to the gym for two days, I haven't been for like a week or two, whatever, I feel so sluggish and lethargic and stuff. Mm. And then when I'm eating better, I'm sleeping better, I've got this whoop band uh, thing. I've had it for like pretty much all the year and it tracks like your sleep and your recovery and mm. your performance, how strange your activity is and, and that kind of thing. And you're just more alert. You make better decisions. And I haven't drank alcohol in over three years now and stuff. And that's the best decision I've ever done because I'm not hungover. Mm-hmm. And I'm more alert. I wish I could say the same. Yeah. But <laughs> in the office. <laughs> but like, it's not for everyone, you know what I mean? No. It's the best decision for me at the moment because I was in the event space and that was my lifestyle oh, yeah. at the time. Yeah. Out to whatever stupid o'clock doing whatever, you know what I mean? Whereas now I'm a bit older. I need to do something for my life. And yeah, you're... You'll feel so much, I feel much, much more alert. And I think like when I look at my last few years, progress is revenue wise, it increase and people are say, will you ever drink again? Well, like maybe. No interest. Well, yeah. Well, why would I like, you know what I mean? But that's just my, they do say alcohol is a devil's drink as well. Yeah. But don't get me wrong. Like when I was, until I was 24, mm. flat out every weekend, you know what I mean? And yeah, I'd be the last person. I wasn't like an alcoholic, but yeah. you just binge drink every Friday, I think, Saturday. I think my issue is like, I don't drink for ages. And then when I drink, mm. like I, I can't do yeah, half hearted. Like I have to get, yeah, no, but I, th- I definitely think my thing is like, I, maybe a couple of pints here and there will be better than literally like every two weeks having like a full light blow and like, let's get smashed. Yeah, it is hilarious. And then, but the I also like, wait, I'm like, oh shit, I have a business. <laughs> what have I said? <laughs> I know that's what I'd get now. Like yeah. if I was steaming on a night out, and I saw like Clive saw anybody and the sense of ego comes out or whatever. Yeah, I'd be like the next day I'd get that beer for you and be like, oh, I need to hide in the hole. Yeah, that, that was, that was, I was like, cause I had to restart my business again in COVID. June 2020, I had a business partner, restarted again from zero, had no money, no clients coming in, never sold on Zoom before. And then, yeah, a few months being back with the mates, cause I've been in Cardiff for six years, going out every Friday, Saturday, one of the lads and I've making no money, no progress. And I was thinking, what do I want to be? One of the lads and get a job. Nothing wrong with getting a job. If people get a job, that's fine. People, people aspire to be like. Yeah, or make something in my life and my career that I want to do and pursue something that I enjoy. And yeah, I said I'd do three months and first month, no different. Second month, felt good making progress. And then I just carried on ever since. And yeah, yeah, here we are doing a podcast. And, and yeah, so. Right. What interesting question. What makes you want to be more fitness savvy then and, and, and look at your health then? Pretty much exactly what you said. Definitely, I feel like it would make me feel better. Like, mm. I feel more confident. Like, I do feel confident in my line of work, but personally, yeah. um, not so much. Um, I think that's, I that's think... a massive thing, though. Sorry to interrupt, but yeah, for me, like, I would say before I was a confident person, mm-hmm. but then when I stopped drinking, I lost a bit of confidence because I thought people are going to think I'm weird for not drinking, but they respect it more and you become more confident in yourself. You don't have to have a drink to be able to chat to girls or whoever yeah, and, and yeah, that yeah. kind of thing. And, yeah, you just accept yourself more and you don't yeah. hide behind that and that escapism. That makes yeah, sense. Yeah, I feel like my game would be a lot better if I went to the gym as well. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, mean, yeah. I go to the gym, but you can't really tell. <laughs> but yeah, and I definitely think like, I don't want to, like, I, I sometimes struggle with burnout and I think mm. you shouldn't neglect yourself Sweet because burn. I am, yeah, I am the, like, all I'm alive, mm. you know, or I am whatever, all the companies and projects, like, it is me. You know, there isn't another managing director. There isn't another city. You know what I mean? Like, mm. so if I'm neglecting myself at one point, I'm going to crash. And I'm really worried about that, to be fair. Like, mm. I'm worried about that moment where I'm going to, like, like be done with shit. You know, like, mm. this is too much. 
And if I'm not focusing on myself and it's too easy to grab shit food, which is, it's and so that's easy. exactly how bad food brands are the biggest food brands. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, well, McDonald's or all, like, all this shit. They are the richest and biggest food manufacturers and companies because they make it so easy and it's like, oh, you know, whereas the healthy food brand, brands are a lot more expensive because they don't have as many freaking customers. That I find that really interesting as well, by the way. It's common sense, but people wouldn't necessarily see it like that, but that's how it is. And that shit is so accessible to you, as is drink. Yeah. Walking into a club. Yeah, and to be fair, in West Cumbria, drink prices are not that bad. Mm-hmm. You can get absolutely shit-faced, probably on £25. Whereas in London, that would buy you a gin and a bit. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like literally. So I don't think West Cumbria is the most healthy place, to be honest. You know, because people can be rich and they can go to the gym, but they can live an incredibly unhealthy lifestyle, right? Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. like, he- being healthy is in many different ways, you know. So I already have, like, started working on that. You know, walk the dog a lot more, drink a lot of more water, that kind of thing. But definitely want to get in the gym in 2024 and have somebody who... and. Like discipline is the biggest thing for me. And although I said earlier on, like I can't deal with the boss, I think a personal trainer for me, I don't like letting people down. Yeah. And the biggest thing should be, well, you're letting yourself down. And I know that, but I want to throw myself into, well, I'm letting X down. Yeah. Personal trainer. Or the capability, you know, isn't it? Yeah. It is. And I want someone to report into, and I feel like, right, I've got to turn up to it. Otherwise I've got to send them an embarrassing WhatsApp or some shitty excuses to why I can't. Yeah. And they're going to get bored of that. And they're going to tell me all of this, stop fucking around and get into the gym. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and I do, I, I want to really work on that in 2024 because I think it'll help my game. No, I'm just, <laughs> I think it will just help me like make sure that work is going to, work is going to get more stressful. It's going to get busier. That diary is going to get even more stacked than it already is. So I want my body and my, my head to be prepared for that. You know, I want to take, take every opportunity that comes with me that comes and, and grab it with two hands. But I feel like, you know, if my health isn't the best or like my wellbeing or whatever, then yeah, I'm still going to take it, but am I going to do just a good job? So it's like, it's a, it's a business piece, but it's also like a personal piece and you can yeah. look after, we're, we've only got one body, yeah. you know what I mean? Like we've, we've only, we're only here once, so you don't neglect yourself. And that's what I'm telling myself now, although I am going out tomorrow night, I'm drinking. Hey. Um, <laughs> yeah. hey, enjoy yourself, you know? But yeah, I'm not going out tonight because I'm going out tonight. You know, like I'm not like, most, to be fair, most people my age are out all of the time. Yeah, oh, I was out all the time. Thursday night, Friday night, Saturday night, yeah. often Sunday night. They'll go out Sunday at three o'clock and they'll go in a bit earlier because they've got work the next day drink, 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 and all the other stuff. That ain't a piece of me. Like, yeah, every now and again, you know, but definitely like Monday's Friday, I really want to try and focus on myself and look at my mental well-being and that headspace and, you know, look after my body and stuff like that. So that is my biggest thing in 2024, I think. And then just deal with all the other exciting shit that will come in because it will. You know, we've done so many cool things this year and last year that you don't have a clue you're going to do in January. Just see what Mm. comes. Turn your emails on if you don't get, you know... Some days it's a shit inbox and the next day you get 10 really good emails mm. of really good prospects. So yeah, I'm very much a, well, we'll just see what the day brings, yeah. you know, see what the year brings. I think that's one thing that I don't do as much as like self-reflect. Not that like self-reflect is like a, I don't know, a weird word to use, but say like, I'm always like onto the next thing, onto the next thing, onto the next thing. Whereas then when you look back like 12 months and you think, I've done quite a lot actually. Mm. Oh, that's been quite cool. That's been a good year. That's been yeah, a yeah. good last six months and stuff. Whereas I feel like a lot of business owners are like that, aren't they? They're like, all right, next thing, next week, next day, and that kind of thing. But it's just the way of the world, isn't it? You know, yeah. Part of the fucking, what's the hamster wheel or whatever? Yeah. Right. So, biggest mistakes or any regrets, personal or business? You got uh, any that you want to share? Biggest mistake is staying in school for as long as I did. Should yeah. have dropped out earlier. 
Could you have dropped out earlier? Or mm, well, have you I been even allowed to. Yeah, you can go. You can be homeschooled whenever. So you would have um, been home homeschooled earlier. earlier. Uh, yeah, homeschooled. How, how, how did that come about then? Like, was it your mum and dad said, "Oh, you can be homeschooled"? Or was it you like? You yeah, I mean, that was a really rocky six months. So I first fell out of love with school properly in December 2018. Went to the doctors. My mental health was absolutely fucking appalling. Mm. Uh, it was then affecting family life. The doctor signed me out of school for a couple of months. I'll whiz past this to get to what we're talking about. But and then went back to school, kind of spring in twenty. 20- 2019 and then again like early summer i was and i became defiant the worst three months three or four months ever from a bullying perspective and my mental health and i was turning into a dickhead family life was shit it was making family life shit and i said i'm done with school i don't care what you're all saying i'm not going to listen to you i'm now turning defiant i am being a troubled teenager and i'm telling you unless you drag me kicking mm. and screaming i am not entering that fucking school ever again and i did and then it was meetings, it was boardroom meetings with the local authority that were threatening to take my parents to court. It was very emotional. Doctors were involved. The MP was involved. You can't just not go to school. Mm. You have to be taken off the register and declared thing as homeschooled. But that's a big decision. My parents have never done that. They didn't want to do that. I don't blame them. But in kind of October, November 2019, uh, after months of conversations and upset and not good things, they went, right, we'll, we'll take you out of school. And probably wasn't meant to smile and like run around, but I, I did. And I also, and this is really bad and I hope that isn't since this, but I, I knew I would get what I wanted. But if you give in and I wasn't prepared to give in on my mental health and my parents were obviously, they wanted to help me, but the last resort was taking me out of school fully because I was like five months before doing my GCSEs. And if I'd actually stayed on another two months, I would have got my GCSEs given to me on a plate because my year group were the, were the first ever COVID ones where uh... you just didn't, didn't say anything. You just got grades. Mm-hmm. So if I'd stayed until the December, I would have got my grades, which is like hindsight. Though, in hindsight yeah. But I mean, what's a better story? <laughs> yeah. This one's better. <laughs> like the the high school dropout. Yeah. The, the headline, right? But now I'm getting older. Like the headline's going, unfortunately, <laughs> like not some 16 year old high school dropout. He's like, oh, he's not a teenager anymore. He's 20. Oh, you know, so old. <laughs> so like old. Now, yeah. But yeah. So that probably not making a fuss earlier with school. But you know, like I do have to say, I always say this, like my school, they tried the best. Like I think most schools do with bullying and mental health. It's a very, mental health in particular is a very difficult thing. Cause if you walk in with a uh, crutches, crutches and you've broke your leg, well, you're visibly ill, you know, people can help you or you walk, or you've got like the dreaded cancer or, you know, other illnesses, but like mental ill health is really difficult for young people because I think there's such a lack of, uh, investment in that. Um, and although my political ties are, are one way I do disagree with how the lack of funding in, in mental health, I think it's appalling. And, you know, a lot of the people that struggle aren't the people who go on like Facebook statuses about it. You will not find me writing a Facebook status when I would, you know, about my mental health, I would struggle in silence or with my family and school just how do you support like a depressed kid other than telling him you need to fucking come into school because you've got GCCs to sit and it's a law. That was not helpful. It was not my safe place. I did not feel comfortable there. And I sat, remember sitting in a boardroom meeting when they said, Oliver, you've got, you've got to do your GCCs. They're in six months. And I said, I don't even know if I'm going to be here in six months the way this carries on. Like literally, you know, like the end of the world for me kind of thing. And that looking back at that is, is really quite depressing. But yeah, I, think there is a lack of investment and stuff, but I do think schools do try their hardest. I had some fantastic teachers, my English teachers and my business teachers were funny, my drama teacher, because apparently I'm dramatic. No, oh. can you not? No, oh, I no. definitely don't <laughs> cause scandals and drama when I'm out in town. God. So yeah, 
but I did struggle in school. Not necessarily some subjects academically, but like just generally with the environment, there was just so much going on. And, you know, it's quite, it's quite interesting because I did have loads of lad mates and, you know, I had probably more like girl mates than I did lad mates. But because I didn't run around a rugby pitch or a football pitch, like people would think I'm like gay and it was always around my sexuality and I'm like absolutely not. And I can tell you some stories about that when we're off the podcast, <laughs> but like, I, like I'm not. And I, I find that really like interesting and stuff because if I feel like there's hundreds of me in Manchester or London or like in just different, like, just Cumbrios, yeah, like I'm a bit camp, obviously. Mm-hmm. I think that's probably the line of work I'm in now as well. You know, like mm-hmm. fucking saying you grew up watching the Kardashians isn't necessarily going to make people think you're fucking straight. But you know, I, I just think people are different. And like now, you know, at school though, yeah. You have to conform to be cool. Mm. And then when you leave school, all the cool people are the ones that are different. And the ones that- Oh yeah. Like that, my DMs. I'll fucking show yeah. you my DMs. And the ones that conform, <laughs> don't get me wrong, the ones that just coast along, aren't they? And probably quite content or some of them maybe very oh, unhappy. The gym lads, the rugby lads. Yeah. The girly girls. You know, the pretty little I mean, girls. Yeah. You've, you've, you've got to be different, haven't you? Yeah. If you, if you want to excel in something. Yeah. And I think I, I excel out, outside of that school system and that, run of the mill, this is how it happens. Mm. And people now obviously notice that and they think, you know what, it's just different. Like, cool. He is what he is. Like, you know, take me as take what's that saying? Take it as you come or whatever. Like, honestly, like I I I'd say I'm quite a difficult person to be friends with. Like mm. I, I've got I would like to think a heart of gold. Like I love giving. I love helping people, treating people, all that kind of thing. I listen to people and their problems like hours on end. But I also think like I come with, like my life is a hundred, it really is a hundred mile an hour. You know, like a, look, look, there's days where I, I might live at home, but like I leave after my dad's gone to work or I leave before my dad's gone to work and I'm in seven out. I don't come in till 11 o'clock, 12 o'clock when he goes to bed at eight. You know, like it is a hundred mile an hour. I could be here, there and everywhere. There's, there was a week last year in 2022 where I was Glasgow, Manchester and London back to back for two weeks and wasn't at home. And being friends with that is obviously quite difficult because, you know, you want to see your friends quite often or you want to do things or like a lot of them are at uni and as well. So like it is, it is quite difficult being friends with, I, I imagine like with yourself in that your life is so fast paced, you're here, there and everywhere, you're on mm. trains or more so we drive, but you know, and I, I think it's difficult to understand our lifestyle of owning your own business and how you do have to put yourself out there. And you are obviously West Cumbria is a small place. So you, people know who you are. You've got a business and you've got a freaking festival and it's, it's a massive festival for the area. Um, and you know, it, it's, it's not difficult to be friends with that, but like you then, what's really difficult though, Adam is like working out at people like genuine friends. I was, good, using I was just going to say that. Yeah. You, you realize who your true friends are, especially with me, like say about the not drinking thing is that when I used to put on events, yeah, you've got, yeah, you think you've got loads of friends. Mm-hmm. But they only care because you put on the event or something, they want even free entry, they want tickets yeah, or VIP yeah. and that kind of thing. And when you stop drinking, you remove yourself from that environment. Yeah, you realize who your true friends are, who actually want to spend time with you doing going to the gym or going out for food or doing whatever, going away and, and that kind of thing. And yeah, you, yeah, my circle's probably got smaller, mm-hmm. but I've got better friends from it, I'd probably say. And I especially like the ones that have known me, like the ones that, I've been friends with maybe like 10 years or something or a, a couple of friends like from before, but they've seen me pre-stopping drinking and I was a loose cannon yeah. and they've seen me stop drinking and then see me now. So they've seen like the transition and they like get it, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas like the ones that maybe have just known me before and haven't seen me in years, they still think of me as 
what was like before, or the ones that meet me now are just like, he's that sort of a weirdo, or, or is he never drank in his life? He's boring as fuck, probably. Yeah. But it's just, yeah, and then core friends who I've kept anyway, one, I was in Marbella with the other week, Henry, I've known him since like four, Jack, whose wedding was at like in September, I've known him since I was like four. Most of my friends have been friends with since I was like 19, so what's that, like eight years or so? Crazy. But yeah, like, I just think it's the people that you can call up and be like, oh yeah, do to do something? And they'll make time for it, not the ones who are like, not arse and never message you. Like, they'll always message me, and be like, oh, are you here this week? Are you, can we go to the gym yeah, or yeah. do this? And I'm like, oh no, nah, I'm in Glasgow or something, or I'm in Cardiff, I'm in London. And then they're like, all right, yeah, no worries, let me know when you're back. And then I'll message them. And it just, it's not like I don't fucking want to see them, I don't mm-hmm. like them. You don't have to see friends all the time. No, like, I that's, agree. That's, that's, that's one thing. I agree. When and I get also, older. It's who's there when it's like, you know, when the headlines aren't like, mm-hmm. in my instance, who's there when the festival isn't on? Who doesn't just want me because they want to guess this? That's a example, yeah. You know, where, or when it's difficult or there's some challenges or you've lost money or, you know, some shit's happened to, yeah. or, or whatever. Like when you're not feeling great, are they there? And if they're not, well, are they actually a true friend? Because mm-hmm. I, I'm, I would like to think for my circle of friends, I make, time for them even if it's not in person it's over the phone or whatever like if anyone's got a problem and i think those are the opportunistic ones you're not your true friends the ones who are like trying to get something out of you yeah you know transactional yeah yeah it's i i i am so done with transactional friendships like i've learned a lot this year and it's incredibly unhealthy and now reflecting on them i feel like a bit of a fucking mug you know mm. for the way some people have took advantage or used me or you know because I am so kind, like, you know, he's daft as, like, taking people out for meals and, like, always paying. And even if it's, like, a, a platonic friendship, right? Hmm. You know, obviously, so if I, you're trying I, to court someone, yeah. it's, you know, it's fine. <laughs> and I do plenty of that, but, you I, know. I like it, say, for me, entertaining clients, yeah, business expense. That's the only, I only spend, pay for meals and it's a business expense. But, like, if I say I pay for a meal, yeah, and then my friends would be like, oh, I've just sent you the money, like, a couple of days after. And you think, oh, yeah, they're, my friend, because they'll just send me the money. I'm not their bastard for anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And all they're like, oh, I just split the bill, whatever. And it's, it's like, it's fine. You know what I mean? They're not, I know that they're not using me kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, they want to spend time with you. Yeah, they're there exactly. to see you, not the, the bill be paid. Yeah. yeah. Especially my friend Kieran, yeah. He's, we've been on a rocky path. Mm-hmm. We've seen friends, not friends for years. And like, he's helped me out when I've been doing events in the shittest places in the, in the country, you know what I mean? Flyering and postering and all that kind of shit for free. And then when I've done all right, it comes to the nice things now. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And it's like, I like treating him and doing that stuff for him yeah, because yeah. he's Speak the one. through it all. Yeah. Not, not that other friends don't care because yeah. they always ask and stuff, but he's the one who's actually like put in the hours kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Not that he's ever had to put in the hours, but he's just done it out of the goodness of his own heart just because yeah, he yeah, yeah. cares, you know what I mean? It's just little things like that, I think. Uh, yeah, you deserve that, you know what I mean? Yeah, I agree. Totally. So, yeah, but, so last thing, greatest strength and greatest weakness. What do you reckon? Um, Self-reflection. Greatest think strength. Of My ability to talk for England. So, no. What? I didn't yeah, really so my ability either. to, like, communicate. Like, my, I think my communication skills are brilliant. If someone walks in and I've never ever seen them in my life, Give me five minutes and I'll know everything about them. And then give me another half an hour and I'll find everything else I'll hate. <laughs> but yeah, my communication, I feel like I, I love people. So that piece, definitely communication is my greatest strength. That could be selling to a new client, 
friends in personal life or meeting new people who you want to get to know you you need to know them because of x y and z my weakness is my looking looking after myself and i've touched on that there's been loads of touch points throughout the podcast but i neglect myself and i that like my personal well-being and health that is a big fucking problem that is my weakness is where i let myself go a hundred percent. I'm always thinking about what well, we need to impress X. We need to do that client, 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 deliver, deliver, deliver staff member, staff member, whatever award event, this, that, and the other back to back, back to back. And I just forget about the actual, I've, I think about entrepreneurially and forget about person, Ollie. I am a person, a human, you know, the body, like everyone else has got, like it's only here once. It's not like if you burn it out when you work ridiculously late and you, eat shit food and you don't exercise, well, you are going to run yourself into an early grave, Oliver. And I keep telling myself that. And I, tell, I say Oliver when I'm telling myself <laughs> off. So yeah, greatest strength is definitely my communication skills, yes. which leads into ability to sell and all that kind of stuff. And my greatest weakness is I can easily let myself go and neglect myself. Mm, that's good. Right. Plug all your stuff that you want to plug now. Uh, if you want to see me neglect myself and all the meals that I eat, you can head on over to my Instagram, which is just Oliver Hodgson with an extra N because somebody else in bloody the US has my username. Uh, did they post? But did they post? Yeah. yeah. I actually oh. messaged him a couple of years ago and he said he wants money. And I, so I, uh, what's you talking like? I don't know. Cause I never, I actually didn't facilitate the comment. I wasn't entertaining the conversation. I was like, Oh, come on. And yesterday, yesterday I've done a little trademark search. I can actually trademark my name. So yeah, you can. Yeah. And um, so, um, yeah. And then if you want to connect with me a bit more professionally, I'm on LinkedIn. I don't actually post that much on there, but that's soon going to change because of our partnership with Corogo. But yeah, in my Instagram's public, so go and have a wonder and, mm. you know. What business stuff? Where can people get in contact with them live? So give us a Google or again on Instagram and LinkedIn, all that kind of stuff. If you want to be in the, if you want to be on the telly, in the media, you want to look at your PR strategy, if you, you know, all that kind of good stuff, give us a, give us a message. We can help with all sorts of other things and yeah. We're uh, a fun bunch and we uh, like to do great work. So, yeah, but thank you for having me on, Adam. Well, thank you very much. Right, everyone, if you're watching on YouTube, make sure to subscribe, like the video, comment your favourite part. Any questions for Ollie, leave in the comment section below. If you're listening on Spotify or Apple, make sure to follow the podcast and leave a five-star review. And we'll see you next time. Bye, 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 bye.